Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. Today, we have a friend of mine on Instagram. She is known as Pilates with Ali. Ali, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks. I'm pumped to be here. I'm just <laughs> excited to be talking to you. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit about your story of the time that you were diagnosed with scoliosis to up until the present. Yeah. So when I was in the eighth grade. I was 13. Uh, I was in a public school at the time and public schools in my area did standard scoliosis screenings for um, anyone my age. So I went through a screening just during a regular school day. Uh, They, I guess, found my curvature pretty much. It was just the standard, you know, roll forward test. And they sent me to my pediatrician at the time who took x-rays and said, yeah, I'm pretty sure you've got scoliosis. Let's send you to a specialist. Um, and from there, I spent a couple of months hopping around between orthopedists and different doctors just to get multiple opinions. And I landed at um, the Emory Spine Center in Atlanta, Georgia, that's where I grew up. And they basically recommended that we try a brace. They said my curve was progressing, not quickly, but not slowly. Um, so they suggested I have a brace. So I was fitted for a couple of different braces actually, and ended up being kind of a guinea pig for an experimental brace, which was just super fun going into my freshman year of high school, wearing an experimental back brace. Um, but yeah, ended up, they kind of decided that that was not working well enough. And my curve continued to progress. Uh, you know, I turned 14 over that summer and I, I probably only wore the brace for a total of like three months. Um, and once they decided that that wasn't working well enough, they recommended that I had surgery. So do you remember what type, what the name of the brace was called, the experimental one that you had? You know, I don't. And honestly, so Emory is very research heavy um, just because it's a hospital system tied to a university. And I'm fairly sure the orthopedists who made it were kind of inventing as they went. So it had, it was similar to a Boston brace, but it had these extra little dials on it that would basically tighten in like very strategic areas. And honestly, it may be more commonplace now. I don't know. I haven't looked into braces in a while. Um, But at the time, 
they were kind of prototyping stuff. <laughs> How long ago was this? Um, I just turned 28, so it'd be 14 years. This okay. was uh, 2007. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And do you remember what your curves were when you were originally diagnosed? Ooh, I want to say originally they were like low 40s. So my, my bottom curve is my major curve. And I think that one was like 43 and the top one was right around 40. And then by the time I had my surgery, bottom was like 52 and the top was, I want to say 48. And when did you end up having surgery? What happened? So they, they, you wore the experimental brace for three months. It didn't work. What was the next step after that? Yeah. So once they decided surgery was the best option, um, we scheduled it for basically over Christmas of my freshman year of high school. Uh, so I had that done in December of 2007 and missed a bunch of school. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a super fun way to start high school. <laughs> let's, let's change your whole life with a major spine surgery. Woo! So they, they literally like they jumped you with the exception of the three months and wearing the brace. They pretty much jumped you right into surgery. Yeah. And did they talk about any type of physical therapy with you? Yeah, so I actually did physical therapy. And to be honest, I can't remember if it was while I was wearing the brace or afterward. Uh, but I definitely went to physical therapy. And I was actually telling my husband the other day, the therapist that I worked with made me want to be a physical therapist. And then I realized I'd have to do like 40 years of school and change my mind real quick. Because um, <laughs> that was going to be a no. Um, and then somehow I ended up teaching movement and body work anyway so here we are uh but yeah I did do physical therapy and honestly I remember they they really approached it from a let's get you out of pain standpoint rather than trying to fix my scoliosis I never I never felt like they were trying to you know correct it with the PT it was more of a pain management thing you know um, if it was therapy specifically for your scoliosis or was it just general physical therapy because there's such a vast difference between the two and when people go to school for physical therapy they maybe learn like 15 minutes or 30 minutes of um of working with people with scoliosis yeah it was definitely just general it was not scoliosis specific certainly wasn't trough um it was it was, it was mostly just pain management, trying to get my spine to kind of loosen up a bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. Cause I feel like most of the time you go to a physical therapist and they're like, scoliosis, that was a page in my textbook. Not all of them, no, but, but it, yeah, it was pretty, pretty broad from what I remember. So the, the physical therapy didn't work. The brace didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then the next step was surgery. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with having surgery? Yeah. Ugh. Honestly, it was kind of a whirlwind because it did move fast. I mean, like you pointed out, they moved me. Uh, I was diagnosed in May of 2007 and by December I was fused. Um, so it was, 
I, I, looking back, I don't think I actually processed it emotionally until recently, honestly, because it was like, okay, let's just survive, get through the thing. And in my head, I think I thought this surgery is going to fix me and then everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm not going to have to worry about it. Um, and, and the, obviously I remember going to a million and one doctor's appointments leading up to it and stuff like that. Um, but the whole experience was just a, a whirlwind. It, it feels like a marker in my life. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously it was, it's a before and after, like yeah. it changes things. So experience wise, I remember feeling like garbage for a while. <laughs> You know, I was out of school for six weeks, which when you're 14 is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, I had a home teacher and it was, honestly, it was a little bit isolating to be home for that long and then go back. And I remember I had to carry a pillow around in school because sitting in a hard plastic chair was unpleasant. And so, yeah. So I felt like a goofball because I had to roll my backpack and like I got my pillow and one arm and I'm just um yeah so <laughs> it was definitely life-changing. And do you remember how long your surgery was? As far as like the actual operation mm -hmm. I believe it was around eight hours long. Okay yeah. And before having surgery when you were diagnosed were you in pain? Or were you just like, I have scoliosis and I have no pain? Um, at first, honestly, not really. I mean, I didn't know I had scoliosis okay. until I had the diagnosis and didn't really have any back pain. And looking at me, you, you couldn't see because my curves kind of equaled each other out. Um, but right after I was diagnosed, so the summer following my diagnosis, I started marching bands. Um, I did that all through high school, band nerds unite. And uh, when I started marching band, that was a big physical thing for me. Like I had never been a super physically active person, wasn't a, you know, runner or anything like that. And so the physical demand of that, I think, took a toll and that's when I started to feel it is when I would get into you know that kind of practice every day in the heat moving around a lot um that's when the pain started because I was just I was using my body a lot differently okay so so your spine you would have pain based on whether and when it was too hot or was that just because of the physicality that was demanded on your body yeah, I think it was just the exertion. Like okay. I, my body just wasn't used to moving that much. And it's almost like it had been kind of stuck in its own little pattern. And then all of a sudden I started to move stuff and it was like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey. You had to, you, you, your body was conditioned in a certain way and then it became unconditioned and it was like, and, and then you had the surgery and it was, we're going to say it was about eight hours. And then, what did they do with you after surgery? Did you have to wear a brace? Did you have to have a body cast? Tell us about that. No. So pretty much I stayed in the hospital for, I think it was like four days, which looking back is like, wow, that's really short. Um, the only thing they really required of me was they said, before you go home, 
you're going to have to walk around the floor. So we know you can walk and walk up and down stairs. And other than that, there was nothing, no brace, no body cast. I didn't really talk to my surgeon or anything (laughs) until probably six weeks after. And they just did an x-ray to make sure everything was okay. And it was fine. So no, no brace and no body cast. And for that, I am so grateful. (laughs) And what, what did they tell you you couldn't do? Or Um, did they say like, you can't do something? Contact sports, which I feel like is pretty common, uh, which, hey, I'm not really into football and not playing it anyway. Um, So wasn't going to be a problem. They pretty much told me I could do whatever I wanted, but they said, be careful with twisting. For a while, I couldn't lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk. I feel like that kept up for like three months. And yeah, um, but other than that, it was like, don't twist, don't do anything that feels funny. Uh, So just kind of use your common sense on what you can and can't do. Yeah. And what feels safe. Logically, what feels safe? Because, I mean, we all get so many different answers, you know, like you're told, you you know, a gallon of milk, I've talked with other people, they are being told they can't lift anything for Mm -hmm. like the rest of their lives, or they can't, I was told, don't go in water for long periods of time. It's like, what? (laughs) Because my scar was so fresh. Oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm on a private lake. I'm at the ocean and I had surgery at the end of school year the school year um nah didn't didn't happen (laughs) it didn't happen but um yeah yeah I feel like I was actually listening to another uh episode of your podcast last week sometime and one thing that I was told to do like this wasn't a no-no was to keep my weight down um and it 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 honestly wasn't presented in the most gracious way it was kind of like a hey you better stay skinny or else your back is going to be really jacked up and I'm like obviously that wasn't verbatim but just the way I remember that conversation it was like almost like a threat there's no at least I didn't get any context around that it was just like hey don't gain weight and it's like well why and I mean now I know it's I want to protect the unfused discs in my back and I want to you know reduce stress on my joints blah 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 etc but would have been really helpful to know why instead of just I'm pretty sure someone used the words stay skinny and I'm like yeah yeah like yikes the yikes face (laughs) And and, and you were 14 yeah you were 14 and you had just had surgery and somebody tells you stay skinny uh huh yeah, which at the time was not a problem because I I was pretty thin as a kid, mm-hmm. and I mean I never really struggled with weight. But as I've gotten to be an adult, I'm like that's kind of damaging to someone. to to tell a teenager at their most vulnerable time while they're having surgery to stay skinny is going to leave an extra mark. Yep, on them on top of being fused yeah for sure how long has it now been since you've been fused 
uh, 14 years. So this December will be 14 years, which I was thinking about the other day. And that will mark, like I had 14 years of life before and now I'll hit 14 years of life with the fusion. And how does 14 years with life with a fusion feel? Honestly, I can't complain. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's different. I think as I've gotten older, I realize that not that life, life doesn't have to revolve around my fusion and my body, but I've realized that if I'm going to be happy and live free of pain, I have to respect my body. I think I spent a lot of time in the first few years after my fusion, just being like, I can do whatever I want. They said so, just don't play football. You know, I can do whatever I want. And yeah. that wasn't necessarily true. So as more time has passed, it's, I've, I've kind of gotten into more acceptance and trying to fight it. Okay. What would you tell the 14 year old girl who had just been diagnosed, what would you tell her at this stage with you being fused? What would you tell the little, the younger you? Like right after I was diagnosed, you mean? Yeah. And during oh. that time, during that time, because it happened with you so quickly, yeah. the time of being diagnosed till the time until surgery, what, what would be some key things that you would tell that girl? Yeah. Um it's not your fault. <laughs> you are not broken. You just have a spinal condition. I feel like sometimes there's a lot of fear surrounding the word scoliosis and it's like it's yeah, I mean it can be serious, but I think sometimes the the fear is blown out of proportion. And so I would I would tell her like it's it's gonna be okay like just breathe take this one day at a time um and I would probably also tell her feel the feelings you know I think I, I rushed through it so quickly that I didn't stop to consider the magnitude and also how do you consider that when you're 14 like you're not an adult yeah um but I didn't really sit with how big of a deal that was. And I think as a result, all those emotions kind of got stuffed down until, you know, I hit college and was like, Ooh, let's hit up some therapy, um, you know? So yeah, mostly it's not your fault. It's just a spine thing. And did you feel like it was your fault? not I don't know maybe it's not your fault is not the best it was more of like a uh I, I don't know it maybe it's more of a you're not broken you're not you know what I mean you're not because, damaged yes that um and and maybe that there was nothing I could have done to prevent that because Sometimes it was like, well, why didn't I know? Um, yeah. So it's just about giving yourself the acceptance. Like you would have told that younger Allie, give yourself the acceptance of what, what you might think is damaged, but really isn't. Yeah. 
and and how you know so many times as parents like I mean I have a daughter who's diagnosed who was diagnosed a few years ago and I find that it was the perfect match for us because I had known Mm. what the possibilities were but how Mm -hmm. was it for your parents and like how did that how did they take it in did they know about scoliosis before or no not at all um I think they probably would echo my sentiments of like why didn't we catch this how could we have stopped it that kind of a thing and I think honestly we all went into survival mode because it did move so quickly and it was like all right get to this doctor's appointment get to this benchmark with the brace or you know whatever I know for a fact that my parents fought me a lot on wearing the brace because I hated that thing (laughs) so (laughs) I'm sure I was a challenging kid to parent through that six month period um I don't think there's any kid that's not challenging to wear a brace yeah well and I mean it's hard like because you're not sleeping well you kind of feel like an outsider yeah there's just a lot going on yeah and then you're told sorry you're told you have this like major surgery coming up and you're like this is a lot to process at once I don't yeah I don't think I've ever heard a story where a kid is like, oh yeah, mom, dad, give me my brace and let me wear it. I can't wait. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) No. But okay. So I'm going to jump a little bit forward. You talked about you are now a Pilates instructor and movement coach. How did that come into play? Tell us about that. So when I was in college, I took up running. I ran a couple of races. I wasn't like a competitive runner or anything, but I just, I I don't even know how it came about. I think honestly, one of my roommates and I were like, let's be gym bunnies. Like, let's just do it for fun. Um, <laughs> and so we would get up and I would go jog and I found out that I really enjoyed it. I felt good after I moved. I felt strong and powerful. So I ran a lot through college and when I graduated, I just stopped and I kind of had a period of dealing with a lot of pain in my hips and my spine, you know, that kind of thing and didn't really think about movement as a solution for that. Um, But at some point, a friend invited me to take a bar class with her. At this point, I was probably 23, 24, maybe. And I loved it. I was like, this is super fun. And a few months later, I decided I wanted to train and teach bar. So that was kind of where I started. I taught bar, loved it, had a blast, would do it again in a heartbeat. But I discovered that it wasn't, at the time, it was not what my body needed anymore after teaching for a year started looking for something else. And I was also a freelance journalist at the time. And I was assigned a story on a Pilates studio in town. And I went and interviewed the owner and she was like, come take a class sometime. And I did. And kind of the same thing with bar. I was hooked. I was like, this is awesome. And that's been five years now. I'm probably getting my math wrong. But anyway, I ended up training not with the intention of teaching, but just with the intention of learning more about my own body. And then I loved it so much that it was like, 
why not teach? I was offered a job, which was great. And I've been teaching for mm, a little over three years now. So And still loving it. Still loving it. Every day I wake up and I'm like, this is what I get to do, you know? And you teach on the, you teach Matt. So you have all the, all the, um, the components of Pilates, Matt Pilates, uh, reformer and tower. Yeah. So I learned it all. Yeah. I, I trained in everything, chair, barrels, all the fun apparatus machines. Uh, but right now I'm teaching reformer and Matt. And and how is that with modifications with being fused versus somebody who's not fused? Is it like, I only know Matt Pilates. Um, so if you're working on the tower, is there a, is the, what's the word? Is there the differences or the modifications? Are they extreme for somebody who's fused versus not? No, not terribly. So the thing that I like about working on the equipment and the machinery is you can adapt the machine to your body okay. rather than trying to contort your body into a position that doesn't work for you. So for example, in yoga, there are things that my body does not do and it never will. And it is what it is. But on the equipment, if it's like, well, you know, my body doesn't really do this motion. It's like, okay, we can find another way to do it. You know, it, it, um, it just changes everything. You can so the, find, the, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? <laughs> no. So the equipment works with you versus working against you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what is considered a lot of what falls in the classical Pilates method is already pretty fusion friendly uh, because you can either just perform it with a flat spine instead of a rounded one, or you're lying on your back mm -hmm. or you're lying on your side. There's a lot in the fundamental Pilates system that just works and you don't have to modify, which I think is why I was drawn to it. But for things that you do need to modify, that's that's where the equipment comes in or the props or different you know you just have to get creative sometimes you okay. just make up your own thing just using different modalities the the thing that I got certified in Matt Pilates years ago and the thing that I like about it is it made me and I'm saying this in air quotes it made me feel normal yeah I, I didn't tell I, that. yeah I, I didn't feel my limitations um and you've worked with people who are fused on all pieces of equipment mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're like, you're the perfect candidate because you're fused. So you can relate to people who are fused. Whereas some people who teach Pilates everywhere and anywhere are not always fused and don't always understand our limitations and might not always know how to modify them. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, the, the, I feel like the biggest thing that makes me different and you know, this too is you've lived it. You, yeah. You're not looking at someone and saying, okay, how do I work with your very special fused spine? And you're like, hey, you're just like me. Let's do it. Yeah. You, you get it. And they know that you get it. Yeah. And that goes a long way. Tell people where they can find you on social media. Awesome. 
So I am on Instagram at pilates.with.allie, A-L-L-I-E. Um, <laughs> and online, my website is just pilateswithallie.com. And you teach all type of Pilates. You teach mat, you teach performer, you teach tower, you teach in-person, and you teach virtual. Yeah, so in-person, it is mostly reformer with a touch of mat. And then I also do virtual stuff that is mostly mat, just because I know not everyone has a ton of equipment. So creative mat. <laughs> a ton of equipment or a ton of space? depending Both. on where you live <laughs> yeah yeah for sure a ton for of sure. space um yeah Ali tell what would you like to leave everybody with who is diagnosed who might be getting ready for surgery who's really unsure about their bodies and what they feel they can't do what's something that you would tell them hmm just to give yourself grace to realize that surgery is going to change your body and your life and the way that you move and live. And the truth is you're going to have to figure out how to live within this new body, but it doesn't do anybody any good to beat themselves up in that process. So give yourself that space, you know, grieve, whatever you might lose, but celebrate the new perspective that you get and get curious about your body and learn how it works after surgery. I love that. Um, and even if you've just been diagnosed, you know, you just, uh, I think it should be a kind of a prompting to look at your body and be like, all right, how do I take care of you better? You know, look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. And not as a, as a burden. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's going to feel like a burden on some days. And that's cool too. Like there's space for all of it. There's space for grief. There's space for curiosity. Yeah. Give yourself heaps of grace. We, we all, we all need that. We all, mm -hmm. we can all be a little more gracious to ourselves. Yeah. So Allie, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. If anybody has any questions for Allie, you can find her on Pilates.with, W-I-T-H, dot Allie, A-L-L-I-E, on Instagram. You can hit her up, send her a message, and she will get back to you. Allie, thanks for being a guest on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love seeing you. It's always a good time. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>